All right, lit. Um, so again, gentlemen, thank you all for joining um, me, Mike Perone, on the discussion around, you know, really just grief and loss. Um, as I mentioned before, this is really just an organic conversation. It's an opportunity for us to really share our stories and share insights. I think often those that are closest to us or those that think they know us don't get to see because of the labels we put on ourselves or the labels the world has put on us. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to actually kick it to my dog, Lavelle, to introduce himself. And then, Drew, you can go and uh, we'll, we'll kick it to Rich. We kind of get into our, our questions and, and stories. Um, what up, everyone? I'm Lavelle Monger from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, got my bachelor's in anthropology from the University of Missouri, St. Louis. Moved to Florida uh, for a master's degree in education. I'm from Florida Atlantic University. Moved up to Orlando. I'm part owner of a photography company, RTW Photography. I'm also the host of Bell's World Podcast. And I'm in the process of creating a business and leadership consulting firm as well. So I do a lot uh, just trying to figure out my calling um, on this planet and just trying to impact as many people as I can. One of the reasons why I was invited here, I have a dope relationship with Mike. Um, I lost my grandmother in June. Two weeks later, I lost my mom in July. And, you know, he's pretty much been supporting me and been a person I can speak with about these matters. Honestly, I only spoke with my therapist, my siblings, and and Mike for the most part. And um, but I'm glad that I'm here to be invited. So, Mike, thank you for bringing this together. Drew, Rich, man, I'm quite sure that if Mike invited you all here, that y'all just as dope as uh, as he is. And I'm willing, very interested in seeing what we can get out of this conversation. Thanks, big dog. Uh, Drew, talk to us. No doubt. Thank, thanks, LaBelle. Um, yeah, my name is Andrew George. Um, she's, it's already, the, the conversation is already getting up there just from you saying what you say. You know, it's kind of like uh, PTSD. Um, but um, my name is Andrew George. Um, I'm, I'm an engineer. I work for uh, MTA Metro North Railroad. And um, my my story, my background story, I, I lost my father back in uh, in January of this year, January 22nd. Um, essentially, you know, he's been struggling through a, a stroke day he had in 2018. So since then, you know, it's been a, a tough journey. And uh, he, he actually passed away earlier um, this year. So just like Lavelle said, man, you know, Mike, Mike has definitely been one of those guys to, you know, you could lean on and everything um, during this time, as well as, you know, therapy as well. Big, big, big key. Um, and I hope through this conversation that we have, you know, we're able to, you know, um, spread whatever, whatever experience and knowledge we got from the experience to the community and help out however we can. Um, but thank you, Mike, for inviting me, man. Yes, sir. The big dog, Rich, talk to us. Yeah, hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, my name is Rich Bowman. I'm a board-certified Christian counselor. Um, I, man, when it comes to grief and loss, I lost my dad and back in 2007. Um, and it's not, um, it's not an experience that, um, you know, 2007 was a long time ago, but just talking about it right now, you know, it's definitely something that feels like yesterday. Um, I can be back in that hospital room. He ended up passing from uh, cancer, uh, thyroid cancer. And um, yeah, I think, um, you know, I appreciate you, Mike, you know, not just um, being someone who 
looks at therapy as something that's necessary, but someone who's also trying to bring the conversation to people who may not um, be having those conversations on a daily basis. Um, And then obviously being in the counseling space, not only am I um, someone that has dealt with grief at a young age, but also helping others to process their grief, um, which is tough in and of itself to be around um, and and enter into a space with people who are many times at their darkest darkest moments. So um, I'm really, really, really encouraged by the fact that both you, Lavelle and Drew, mentioned um, therapists and therapy. You know, there's this idea that black men don't get help, and just to see the two of you um, not just uh, commit to it, but celebrate it at the same time was just um not something i'm so used to so thank you guys for just being um not just aware but um consistent and um you know helping to change that stigma um yeah so i I, i'll say part of me is ready a little emotional but i i I, I figured that would be coming that would be happening um part of me will say though uh, all of these men did not know each other before we got on this call outside of um their connection to me and i'm I'm appreciative of them kind of jumping in again um so the first question uh and I'll, i'll i'll be sure to answer as well is um who was that person to you right so who was that person to you what did they mean to you um, I don't I don't want to spend too much time kind of reliving the total pain, but I, I want to start with the joy. Right. So who was that person for you? And I, I'll start. Um, yeah, my, my grandmother was was the OG. You know what I mean, she was the matriarch. She came from Jamaica with my family, my mother, my aunts um, and really made a way that that marked over 100 people coming past her. Right. Like four generations. Um, she was a stern Jamaican woman, you know what I mean? But she was hilarious. She ran nothing but jokes. Um, and although my mother was present, my grandmother really raised me. You know what I mean? My mother was the youngest of seven. Um, she was the baby. So, you know, my grandmother really took on that maternal role. That's that's my grandmother. Um, and I know pieces of your stories, but I would love to hear and love for you all to share, like, who was... Um, who are they to you? So thanks for sharing that again, Mike. Um, my my father, like, um, I mean, as far as joy and everything, yeah, man, he was definitely like a source of happiness for me. Uh, when the, the memories that I could think of that that come to mind are uh, when I was younger, like this memory always comes to mind. When I was younger, um, he, you know, he would always uh, mow the lawn and everything in the front yard and everything. And I would try to kind of like emulate him and like kind of like run around his leg, trying to like act like I'm mowing along as well behind him and everything. And um, I don't know, just those memories always come back to me now because like, you know, like now I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, for my, mom, for my mom's, I'm always like, you know, I'm always taking care of the yard for her now. So it's like, you know, I always um, think about the fact that, you know, it was him and now it's me doing it. I don't know, it's just it's a joyous moment for me. Um, but he, he was definitely that, that that man figure in my life. And, you know, he, he told me he told me the ways and I, I really appreciate it for that. For for me, my grandmother was for my grandmother didn't have to be my grandmother. So she actually had a choice. Um, and and I, and I say that because my stepdad is actually the one that raised me. So when I was one years old, I was with my grandmother and I was with my grandmother on my first birthday because my mom was having my little brother. So my first birthday gift was 
a baby brother and and um and I was with with her the the entire time for my first birthday for the first couple of days as my mom um go through you know went through that process my stepdad been in my life for that long right um so that's the only dad that I know and him and my mom got married so that relationship and seeing how you know she could have easily disowned me and stayed away from me, she kept she brought me in as her own. And honestly, it's, it's some at some points that I I feel like I was like one of the golden child, one of her favorites in a sense. Uh, and that was because I was I was a little smart and I knew how to play video games. So I just remember sitting on her bed playing Crash Bandicoot, and I couldn't do no I couldn't do no wrong. If somebody said I did something wrong, she'd curse them out. Like it was nothing <laughs> that I could have done or said that was that was bad. And even as a, as an adult, I remember graduating uh, from undergrad, and she was there. She made sure she was there. I remember uh, when I moved down, she'd reach out and be like, hey, I'm cooking, you know, I'm making your favorite dessert, which is yum yums. Um, my grandmother and my mother was a cursor. And, and it's similar like that to my mom. My mom and my granny didn't get along um, as I got older. And I, I I knew their birthday was four days apart, but it really didn't hone in until their death. I was like, wow. My mom, I, um, I was actually in foster care when I was young and just seeing her fight, do whatever she could to gain custody of all of us. And unfortunately, I was the only one that was able to um, come and most of that was because I'm the oldest boy she just had my baby sister and I didn't want to see her you know go through all that stuff alone and sorry to go too long it's just these two ah. different people I'm trying to strata like the words in my brain I'm trying not to like it's, it's a lot because I haven't again I only talked to my um, my therapist and my siblings and we haven't had to talk like this for a while I'm glad you're getting it out bro I you know um I I'm listening to y'all both and just thinking about my own feelings um what what was something people didn't know that you were experiencing in the midst of your grief of, you know, one thing that I know that that's common amongst all of us is that we had to handle the funeral arrangements, right? Like we were that point person. We became, you know, the the person to, to carry that mantle. And, and while everybody else had the ability to grieve outwardly, we were focused on just making sure things got done. So what was something that people didn't know that you were experiencing a feeling during that time. And then Rich, I would love for you to like add some insight to what you hear. Yeah, man. Um, I'll say, you know, something that I experienced and I'm sure a lot of people experience is there's room for uh, unaccept- socially unacceptable emotions. So what I mean by that is like when my dad passed, I was filled with a lot of abandonment feelings and a lot of anger because my dad the you know the the way my household was set up was my mom was a stay-at-home mom and so when he when he passed my brother and I my older brother and I basically were like all right well I guess we gotta figure out income and like how to how to float um and so, yeah, there was just a lot of like, there were feelings where a lot of people were just in like, yeah, I miss you, you know, and I wish he was here. And part of me was just pissed, but I couldn't really share that with people because it was like, it wouldn't be acceptable because everyone's just in a place of like seeing all the good things. And I'm like, yo, how can you leave me with this responsibility? You know, and there was no room for me to be able to t- say that to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, um one of the things is just like, even if it's it's not acceptable, we have to find safe people to be able to share those things. Um, because part of our process sometimes is just not pretty. 
right? Sometimes it has other feelings built in. Um, you know, a lot of feelings I had as well was just like, how do I, you know, so Drew, you know, you're talking about mowing the grass. I would do some of those things and I'm just like, man, like, I can't believe this is me right now. I can't believe I'm in these shoes and they feel huge. Mm-hmm. And they feel like I don't belong in it. Like why? This is not for me. So yeah, I think um, I wish people gave grievers more space uh, to have more emotions than just sadness. Oh man, that's real. Um, like you said, that that planning, that that planning period uh, is is a lot. By me being the financial responsible one, it, it became a financial burden for me for the most part. Uh, so not only did I have to you know, be the leader, I'm the oldest boy in the family. Um, I got the highest, and me and my little sister got the highest level of education. But by her being my little sister, you know, my whole life I've been conditioned to be the big brother. Um, so now this is your time to show as a big brother, uh, how can we get through this moment? So being able to plan, process all those things, organize us. And one of the, the rudest comments that I heard someone say uh, was, how are you all able to plan this in a week? And then another one was, was um, all you all are handling this well as family because you know I'm I'm usually seeing like siblings fall out at the death so they I'm like huh I'm like no nah, that like that was the last thing that came to my brain that's the last thing that I needed to hear again I don't think I had I don't think it, it hit me until like two weeks because I was moving and w- one of the toxic things that that I've noticed I wasn't able to transmute uh sexual energy um alcoholic you know urges and things of that nature and my will to travel when I'm down I went to the things that I find comforting which was drinking dealing with women and hitting the road just driving I wasn't drinking and driving I usually drink when I get there uh, but that's something that I just noticed recently thanks Lavelle thank you Rich um yeah I resonate with a lot of pretty much everything y'all have to say it resonates really well especially the the funeral arrangements you know having to to hold that down financially and everything yeah I mean my situation is I'm I'm the only um I'm only man in the um as far as my siblings so it's me I got three older sisters but um financially you know I was the one who was handling uh the funeral arrangements and just a lot of the planning around it um so it really it really doesn't allow for um time for you to kind of just feel you know what i mean uh there's like there's no time to feel and i'm, I'm not really sure what that really truly did because i like i'll keep it but like like my, my father passed in Jan- january 22nd right so it's march it's been about two months now it's april right so it's about two months and change now um i'm not sure like i know for a fact like there was definitely like some type of like um blockade that went up because um, the reason, like when, when I was in, when I'm in, in, in therapy and everything, um, what we pretty much work on is vulnerability and everything, my, my own vulnerability and my own experience of myself and, and my, my, my closeness to my own feeling. And um, as far as like really like feeling this, you know what I mean? The way I know I should be feeling it it, it it just doesn't it's not happening you know what i mean it's not but like it'll come out randomly just boom for like literally like 30 seconds and then gone you know what i'm saying and i'm not really sure what that is i mean my, my therapist he's kind of like see i just got to go through the motions and everything kind of just allow myself to feel um but like these conversations that we're having right now you know they're really like boiling up um every, everything that you guys are saying you know is making those feelings boil up and um like i don't like it just boils up it's like it gets to a point it's not like you know it kind of just 
gradually comes out or anything like that. I feel like for me, it kind of just boils up and then just boom, like a volcano and then just goes, fades away real quick. Um, but yeah, like I think um, part part of the, you know, the funeral thing that that not not being able to like kind of really feel because of, you know, the responsibility that you got to go through to get that done, um, make sure that's all settled, you know, that attributed to that. And then um, one, one of the one of the things I also want to talk about is is like he he uh, he had his first stroke in 2018, you know. So um, when he had that stroke, you know, we, we had hopes that, you know, he'd recover and he, he made a partial recovery. I knew the type of life that he wanted to live. Like he, he would always like a certain ways so that he would literally not have to live the life that he was now living you know he was paralyzed on one side of his body he was bedridden so he, he couldn't really do anything that he was trying to avoid by living a healthy lifestyle and everything that that you know he was trying to do and he still was was dealt was, was dealt that blow um having a stroke being paralyzed on one side of his body and so seeing him in that i knew he wasn't happy so it, it was a really weird place because it's like i'm glad you're here but i know you're not you know i know you're not happy and then when the second stroke happened and he was he was pretty much like that was it you know it was harder for him to be here um and see him suffering as opposed to him being able to pass away and just know that he he was at peace you know what i'm saying um so him passing away everybody kind of expected like sadness and everything from me i wasn't sad i wasn't i was relieved i was very relieved i was like he's 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 not he's not struggling it's like it's like having to watch a family member like get slowly stabbed for like three years and you're like yo can you stop stabbing this cat or something you know what i mean like just leave this man alone so then when it's finally over you're just like oh thank god you know what i mean it's not and everybody kind of coming up to you expecting all this sadness and grief and you really just like yo look i'm just I'm glad it's I'm glad it's over um but yeah those are some of the things that was going on in the back for me um my pops and Drew, I just want to add to that, man. That that takes a lot of strength. And honestly, I felt like, especially with my grandmother, the only person I was able to tell that to and still feel like a decent human was my therapist. I couldn't tell nobody that I was relieved. Like, yeah. like I, I didn't cry at at none of the funerals because it was more of they ain't gotta deal with all the stuff. I know the I know the trauma that my, my mom and my grandmother was dealing with. So I was like, they don't have to deal with that no more. And a lot of people crying are the same people that none of them could call. And, and shed tears with and or ask for anything where I'm from. So y'all crying of selfish needs and y'all expect me to cry because that's how y'all identify grief and that's how y'all identify or believe that we supposed to feel right now. When in reality, we got a, a funeral to run, we got a family to organize, we got all this stuff, we got the stuff that we have going on in our personal lives before this, you know, unexpected thing happens. So it's like, you know, and when you tell people that, you know, I, I'm relieved because I know they're in a better. I know they're in a better place now. They're looking at you funny because, oh, if my mom died, if my grandmother died, I feel like A, B, C, and D. It'd be the end of the world. I'm like, that's because you don't know my mom. That's because you don't know my grandmother. <laughs> that's because you don't know my dad. You know, yeah, I just wanted to to share that piece. It's, it's, you know, I think it's, you know, I don't think it's coincidental. And I, I, a part of me is like it's ironic, but it doesn't feel ironic. Like there's no real irony here, but the fact that the reality of like our family members, parents living in a state of pain before they pass, whether that was physically, mentally, or emotionally, people don't get to see that, right? Like people get a snapshot of the person and they hold on to that snapshot and they walk away, right? But we see them day to day. We talk to them day to day. We feed them when they're in pain. We take, you know what I mean? It's just like having to care for a family member 
particularly somebody that raised you, a parent is a totally different feat. So when you, it's like you lost part of them before you, you lost them physically, right? At least for myself, let me speak for myself in that regard, right? Like, I feel like in the last two years, particularly the last year of my grandmother's life, like, and, and really the last three months, I got lost my mother before she, now I, I had to watch her decline in health. You know what I mean? I had to watch her decline and her joy and her ability to be um, the woman that I remember and I held on to. But it was the strangest thing for me because a lot of my grief happened in part before she died. Like there would be times that I would be sitting by her bedside while she was sleeping, crying, wanting her to get better. So when so when she passed, I didn't like I was just in go mode, like a lot of you all were sharing. I was really in go mode. And, you know, Drew, I think the one thing I, I, I relate to or one of the things I relate, many things I relate to in what you were sharing is, dog, literally two weeks ago, in terms of those emotions coming and going, I was in the gym bench pressing and I started crying. You know what I mean? I'm in the middle of the gym working out. And literally it's because of the song that came on and I just started crying. And I'm like, yo, dog, how crazy do I look right now that like I'm working out and tears are falling, but it's just like I, w- I wiped the tears away and I just I just kept pushing it and the feeling jumped away. Um, so I just, you know, I, I think that is one thing we're all still experiencing. We're all still trying to grasp on. And, and you know, I, I wonder, and Rich, of course, I'm going to come back to you. It's just like, how, how do we as men navigate the ocean of emotion? Yeah, man, I think, man, there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of dead end roads when we talk about grief and very few of them lead to actual healing. Um, I think especially for black men, there is a high, high, high temptation to jump to converting sadness to anger because we know how to deal with that a lot better. And so it's like, it's so much easier just to get mad. It's just, I can't believe this. You know, when you want to throw something, it's, it, it, there's, a, there's a high temptation because this is what we see emulated. This is what we see in the culture. This is what we're taught. Um, so the first thing is to resist the conversion. Stay comfortable with this idea of sadness. Don't turn it into getting pissed off. Don't turn it into being mad at doctors or yourself. I, you know, this is not the time to play the blame game, even though that temptation is very high. Um, the other thing I would say is like that coming and going, that roller coaster of like intense grief and then it fades. Um, two things about that. One, I, I really want all of you to be able to find time to not have to wipe the tears. So that bench press moment, you know, that Mike was talking about, you know, if that happens in a space where you're just home, trying your best to just stay there for three more seconds, seven more seconds, 10 more seconds, um, to give yourself permission to feel. Because a lot of us are in positions where we have to function and we have to do and we have to plan and we have to lead, it can feel like we don't have time to experience that intense emotion. That intense emotion is not an obstacle. It's not something for you to get around or get over. And so to the best of your ability, you know, getting some time to just sit there with it. Um, 
But the other thing is, another thing that can get very frustrating is you might go 10 gym days and you're like, man, I feel good. I kind of feel like this is normal. And then the next day you're a complete pile of mush. And then you can get frustrated at yourself. Like, man, like I thought I was healing. I thought I was moving past this. That's not how healing in the in the land of grief works. It's very zigzag. You'll have 10 good days, complete ball of tears in the bathroom the next day, have another couple of days where you feel okay. Back to his, you know, seeing a particular restaurant you guys used to go to, your pile of mush again, and giving yourself some grace to not have to have such a linear path towards healing. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be up and down for a long time. Um, we use that phrase, man, this person was a part of me. Let's actually extrapolate that analogy. Okay, so they were a part of you, like an arm. For you to have lost an arm, that's not something you get over, right? It's something that is, it, you have to create a new normal. You have to formulate life. Everything in your life was planned around the fact that you were going to have two arms, and now you only have one. So you're grieving over the loss. You're confused as to how you're going to go forward. You never really plan to deal with this, and it's forever going to change your whole the whole rest of your life. And so... Um, yeah, just giving yourself some, some grace and some, it's okay. Not judging yourself, um, can really be helpful. So I'm listening to you, Rich. And like, I'm thinking about like, I give myself grace. Right? I mean, I'll, you know, everybody knows, like I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. All that, you know, I, I think the one thing though is just like this idea of grace is that like grace allows you to be weak. And if I if I'm if I'm being honest, I I don't allow myself, but I also haven't had the space given or offered to me to be weak. And I think that was one of the things I looked for most when my grandmother passed are spaces to be weak. Not like what I'm going to do next in my life, not who I need to serve, not who needs to be paid and taken care of, not which family member needs to be cared for. You know what I mean? Not like what, what's my relationship status. It's just like, nah, like I just want to be weak. I want to be that, that puddle and that mush. Um, and I still struggle with figuring out how to, to live that out. Mm-hmm. But um, Drew Bell, I guess for y'all, man, what, what's something even now Y'all desire just like if if somebody had to care for me, this is what they need to know, mm-hmm. um, or this is what they need to do. Um, I guess I'll go first. Uh, so honestly, bro, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I really don't even know. Like if somebody were to come up, come to me, like, hey man, like what, what you need right now? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know what you really could do for me right now. Mm-hmm. Be honest, mm-hmm. I've been feeling like that like for a while. I appreciate you know. Um, people trying to to help out, but like I don't even know what I mean. I just um, I'm I'm at a loss for that part. You know what I'm saying? Like I mean, like like Rich was saying about giving ourselves permission to just like to feel and everything. Like I like have a, I have a to do list. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have a to do list. I, I I do one thing, I do one thing, um, and I, I like to just get things done in that way. The feelings they they're not part of the to do list. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They just come. So then 
I'm like, oh, you're getting in the way of things I need to do. And then I kind of like, I, I, I don't have time for that. I got to I got to get back to whatever I'm doing. Um, so I don't know if like I should like schedule some time out to be like, All right, I, I, I don't I really don't know. Um, but it, it's just the fact that the feelings, they just come like nobody told you to come. here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what, what's going on right now? But they just come when they feel like it. Like you said, like you heard a song and then boom. And you're like, yo, bro, hey, come, come on. Hey, nobody, can we do this some other time? Um, but it's kind of like, because of that, it's, it's kind of hard to stay in it for me um, because I'm always like, I, I, I guess I'm on top of that. And I, don't, and I let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real quick, just wanted to respond to a couple of things you said there, Drew. Um, man, one of the best things that I've seen in the grieving process is to let your friends know. <laughs> so people think it's helpful to be like, yo, bro, yo, if you need anything, man, just holler at me. And it's like, that's actually very unhelpful, right? <laughs> it's them saying, hey, I know you're grieving, but actually it's on you to also come up with what you need. And, you know, Drew, as you're talking, it's just like, man, if we really thought about it, it's like, why would you stress the person even more to have to also know what they need to be able to get out of this pit? Um, One thing that has been helpful is, hey, friends, whatever you're thinking about doing to help, just do it. Don't ask me if you're thinking. I don't need people telling me they're available. I just need people to show up. And I'd rather you show up in a way that maybe wasn't as helpful than you putting more of this grief on me. Like, just get involved, get in there. Like if you see my house is on fire, don't be like, Hey man, uh, I have some water in the back. Is that, is that something you might need? No run in there and get somebody and, you know, like get, get involved. And so if any, even if people are watching or listening and it's like, you have a friend who's grieving, Man, just, you know, if they're a parent, hey, you need me to watch the kid? Hey, I'm buying dinner. You have any allergies? Boom. Like, just get involved. Um, And I think that's something that you could greatly, all of us could greatly benefit from is just having our communities, like, just jump in. And so, um, yeah, I want you to be able to offer that to anybody who um, you might be speaking with, because that's just another, um, it's another thing to get on yourself about it's like dad i'm dealing with this grief and i don't even know what i need that's okay <laughs> that's okay um but yeah man oh man that was a a, a great point uh I, I know the thing that annoyed me the most was when people was on facebook are texting me and i'm sorry for your loss i'm, I'm like bro like <laughs> i don't need you to be sorry sorry ain't helping nothing <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I, fi- I find myself getting angry with it so now when people have lost i try i face it up man love you like I, I try to you know stay in that space because what you can't you saying you're sorry for my loss is, is something that none of us can control um when i found annoyance and that i also find annoyance when when people that have lack of try to reach out and be like, ah, oh, you know, let me know what you need. I'm like, bro, I don't need nothing from you, bro. <laughs> it ain't nothing that you can offer me right now that's going to make me unfeel the way I feel and or help me uh, with, with, you know, throughout this process. Um, and I, 
I, I felt bad fulfilling that way. So I try to figure out a way that I can convert it to something a little more nicer where it don't come off as harsh. Um, some people, they didn't get the nicer version because uh, they just got me <laughs> as, in a, a very explosive moment. And um, so definitely thank you for sharing that, Rich. And that's something that I'll be mindful for. Um, Drew, you definitely trying to hold your your, your feelings in. Uh, I can tell because your face get tighter. <laughs> and I honestly can say that when when Mike called me, I was making that same damn face. And when he brought up this whole idea, he actually called me like twice. I'm like, what the hell you want? <laughs> I'm like, damn, I'm trying to make time because I was working. So I'm like, damn, the hell he wants And he finally called me and told me. And uh, my initial, my initial like impulse was like, nah. And like, I was like, nah, I ain't doing this shit. I ain't trying to really visit that space. And uh, then he just told me the idea. I was like, damn. And I was actually in a space like this month has been hard for me. I, lo- I lost three people that I grew up with. Uh, my birthday came along. Uh, so there's a lot of drinking involved. It was a lot of stuff that I was doing that, you know, was filling voids. Was I was moving so much. And that when I was in the car for three hours driving back from Miami to Orlando, um, I just had time to sit in that shit. Like, I think I drove like two hours with no music, no nothing on. And I was really sitting in that. And one of the things that's kind of opposite from Drew is like when I, I'm so confident and arrogant <laughs> that I'm going to feel how I feel where I, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care how other people uh, feel. And I don't fight myself um, of it no more. Like if I feel sad, I just let that shit out. And a lot of times I can feel sad. I, I tell people that I have internal tears. I, I know what sadness feel like. I know how I feel when I'm angry. I don't necessarily always have to show it in a sense that you can kind of acknowledge it. Like, oh, he's sad right now. He mad. Like, no, nah, I can be just chilling. Right now, like I'm sad right now. I, my heart, <laughs> um, pulse, like boom, boom, boom. I try not to look at y'all too much, uh, because I I know that I'm at a point where it's like, dang, I don't even feel like this. And some people like feel, you know, be vulnerable. I'm like, I'm I'm being vulnerable because I'm feeling it. I didn't get off this phone. I'm sharing this with you all. Uh, like I I know how it is when I'm sad, and and that's the space that I'm in now. That's the space I was in when I looked at looked at my calendar. Like, damn, I really got to do this shit. And uh, some of the things that that I do now when I know I'm feeling in this space is I call my nephew. My nephew was born two weeks. My nephew was born the day before my grandmother's funeral and two weeks before my mom died. So I, I call my nephew. He can't understand shit I'm saying right now. <laughs> uh, but I just love seeing him. And I went to visit them uh, the fall last year during COVID just to be in that space and just see how he's growing and see how happy he is and, and understanding like these are the happiest days of all of our lives before we get domesticated in a sense to society before we figure out that hey you know shitting on yourself ain't <laughs> it was fun when you back then but it ain't as fun as it is when you get older you got to use the bathroom knowing you know the difference between right and wrong outside of hey i just don't need to kill nobody and i don't want to hurt nobody now it's like oh you gotta walk between these lines when you go across the street are you going to get a ticket and on um, things like that so I love just seeing him at that young age, that innocent age. You know, Bell, you, you tapped into, uh, I guess, a question I was, I got the last question I was thinking for us to kind of delve into. Um, and it's tied to, so I, I you know, if I'm honest, dog, I, I, I don't think I'll ever move on from my grandmother's death. Like, my kids' kids will know about her. You know what I mean? Um, my life will never be the same. And I, I know that, like, I feel it. Though, Bell, you mentioned some, like, 
key things for you that that helped you move forward and I, I wonder what does it look like to move forward particularly Drew um, I know for myself right now it's trying to honor her life in ways that I can you know um, and I'm still trying to process what that looks like um, and it's not and I, I want to be clear it's not a rush to move forward but you know, Rich also chime in, man, like, what does it look like to move forward and what are some healthy steps we as as men, particularly Black men, can take to, to do that? We all have to leave room for everybody to have their individualized recovery process. Like, um, for some people, they'll lose somebody and the next day they go to work. And we might look at that and say, man, that's really strange. But for that person, the need for normalcy could make that everything that they need. And so um, there's a gentleness and a patience that we need to have with ourselves and remind us of because there's a lot of factors around us that are trying to get us to grieve a certain way or for a certain amount of time and what it really looks like. You know, I've had a lot of people say, oh man, Rich, you know, I, I never really see you cry about it. And it's like, okay, well, you, the physical manifestation of my... Uh, sadness doesn't come out that way, right? It ends up it ends up actually coming out more in anxiety, depression, that kind of piece. And so, um, we have to really um, stop judging people. Like you're not your love for somebody is not equal to how many weeks you can't function when they die, right? It doesn't make it cool. Like, oh my God, you grieve for five weeks. And I grieved for 10 weeks. So, you know, I was definitely, you know, closer to that person. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And, um, man, when you have an okay day, have that okay day. When you have the bad day, you had the bad day. There's no, we just need to stop judging ourselves um, and give room to, man, this is just what's helping me right now. This is something that's, you know, assisting me. The other thing I'll say is, um, Every single one of you talked about the loss of this person and the person being someone of a good character. I didn't hear anything of, man, they were gone and they were terrible and people hated them. And so these were people who were um, who had things to offer, who whose characters were loved by so many. The reality is I'll never meet Mike's grandmother, I'll never meet Lavelle's mother, grandmother, I'll never meet Drew's father. But I'll meet y'all. And one of the things that really helped me to move forward is just like, if the ideals and the awesome things about my loved one that passed dies with them, that's the tragedy. That's the tragedy. Because for every... person that's in the that that we've lost there's a nephew like Lavelle's nephew I have an eight-year-old daughter it's just like man like I grew up with this person they 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 held me down they they raised me but there are people coming up who are who have our names in the spot of I need you who have our names in the spot of I'm looking up to you and that's not to say that we need to push our feelings to the side to be there for them. As a matter of fact, we have the opportunity to share how to go through this process with this next generation coming up. There will be therapy sessions around our deaths. They will have to grieve. 
the impact that we had. And my, my hope is that we would handle that torch well, like be encouraged that the person's legacy is still alive. This idea of how they treated their family is still alive. I don't, we can't lose that. That's the treasure. That's the goods. We have to keep that. And that, that is a, a big call, but it starts with being patient with yourself, being gentle with yourself, giving yourself time um, to not be okay. Um, the thing I always tell people is <clears throat> it's not okay that they're gone, but they're gone and I'm okay. It's never going to be okay that they're gone, but I could be okay. And that's what I try to strive for every day. How can I be okay? And how can I reflect those values in the people who consider me to be the one that's raising them? Um, yo, I wish I had a notepad to like write down all the gems y'all are just dropping now because it's, it's, it's so much. Um, um, man, Mike, I don't even remember what your question I'm trying to talk. I don't remember what your question was. <laughs> um but but Mike well Rich like um I just want to just say like yo everything y'all have been saying me at least has been helping a lot I don't know if anything I'm saying helping out but like yo yeah, a lot like um, sure. like Val like when you said like yo like you know how, how you deal with it like just letting it you know what I mean like I'm taking that from you so you know <laughs> I'm taking that, you know what I mean? Like I, I was like, yo, that that could that could work, you know, that could work. And um I, I think I'm a, I'm gonna try that. Um and and Rich, what you mentioned about um like you know your loved ones just kind of just showing up and just doing whatever. Yo, Mike, y'all did that. Um they they came through and they just brought food, you know what I mean, and just just chill you know what i mean but you i knew they didn't have to say what it was for but you know what i mean they they came through food like yo food drinks let's just chill out and you know that right there yo i didn't know i needed that but it happened and it was everything i was like yo you know these guys are lit you know what i mean like i was i was so happy i was so happy um yeah i'm, I'm just i don't remember anything else i just wanted to let y'all know that because i was just listening to y'all just like very inspired so like yeah Thank you. That's it. Thank you. So um, I know that, you know, I, I have y'all over time, so I'm not going to hold you up much longer. Um, a, I, I just want to say thank y'all for showing up. And I, I mean, like, you know, outside of showing up on the call, but like actually showing up emotionally, mentally and just being present. Um, you know, this this means the world to me, you know, what I mean, for nothing else other than the fact that. I feel like I'm not alone. You know what I mean? I know I could, we could, we could talk about how lonely this, this experience makes one feel, but um, we may have to come back another time to do that. I just, you know, where I am and how I am and how I show up and what I believe, man, I feel like I'm going to do two things. I want to, um, I want to give y'all an opportunity because I know, I know some of y'all uh, got some spaces for people to continue to, to tap in with y'all. So if y'all want to share um, I don't know, social media, don't put your number out there um, of how people can contact you. Vel, I know you got your podcast, Rich. Um, I know you have your counseling, which obviously I'm a part of. Um, Drew, I don't know if you're on social media right now, dog, but 
I'm not, bro. <laughs> I got rid of that. If you want to share, if y'all want to share where people can find you, um, let them know now, and then I'm gonna just I'm gonna close this out in a quick word of prayer. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, yeah, so um, counseling. Um, if you are listening to this and you're just like, man, you know, want to reach out and have someone have a safe space to talk about things like this, um, you can reach me at Reliant Counseling on the gram or reliantcounseling.com. There's a contact form there you can go to uh, for individual or couples counseling. Um, And I want to also just leave you three with this, just something super practical, something that tends to catch people off guard is holidays. So we are in April, next month is May, that's Mother's Day, June, Father's Day, birthdays, anniversaries, Christmas, Thanksgiving, stuff like that. To the, If you can, try to like maybe take a day off around those times. Anticipate that it will be difficult on those days. Um, and so I see a lot of people just have these, you know, days just kind of pop up on them like, oh, shoot, today's da-da-da day. And they're just in a complete... Um, emotional slump, yet they didn't make plans to not have to be on that day. Um, yeah, I just highly encourage you guys to look at the calendar and almost like make grief provisions for yourself on days that you can already know are going to be super difficult. Rich, you smart, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's, that's the big dog for a reason, man. All right, Bell, where can we find you, player? Um, I got a lot of outlets. I'll tell you how the podcast because that's why I do a lot of talking. Um, Vales World's podcast on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, all the other stuff. Not TikTok because I don't know how to use it uh, just yet. Um, feel free to sh- you all can shoot me an email, Vales World Podcast at ldmonger.com. I'm also in the process of relaunching um, my personal website. And that will consist of business and leadership coaching. And I believe everything starts with personal development. I love to hear it. I love to hear it, bro. Um, yeah, I'm not that accessible. You're like, don't find me, man. Um, I, I have an email, though. <laughs> um, my email is george, G-E-O-R-G-E, dot Andrew E at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna turn my Instagram back on. Hey, look, do you do your thing? Hey, no, it, no stress. I just, I just wanted to make sure if somebody was interested in contact, I'm talking to any of you, yeah. um, they had the ability to. Yeah. Um, for me, obviously, you can reach me wherever this is being played uh, or displayed. I'll have my contact, and I'll, I'll put their information out there. The things that they shared. Um, but you can catch me at House of Ferone on Instagram um, or at Men Still Pray. Um, on Instagram as well. Uh, but fellas, again, thank you. Y'all are really um, some of my closest friends, my dogs for life, and I appreciate y'all. But um, before we go, let me just pray really quick. Lord, I just, um, I'm floored. You know, I'm floored at the reality and fact that so often we go through a world where those closest to us share so many similarities and experiences, but we don't know. Mm. Um. At times we walk in silence of our pain, but I thank you for bringing me and us around sound men that are able to confess their pain, share their pain and learn from it. Um, Whether or not the world believes in you, whether or not 
people look to you, God. I know your hand is in control. And I just pray for my brothers right now that they continue to find you in situations that call for your glory. I thank you for the time that we had. I, I, I continue to look forward to how our relationships grow and what this does for not only us, but other men that are out there lonely, silent, and hurting. For these things, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.